0: This week on three questions by Corey Kareem.
1: Based on our conversation on optimism is that you usually see your failures more than any, and they stick out to anyone else. And if you are experiencing other mental health concerns like anxiety or depression or something like that, then know that that sensation will be intensified for you.
0: Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the show where we sit down with some amazing people who have done some amazing things. And you guessed it. We asked them three questions, but not about their successes or their wins, but rather about their failures and more particularly um, the lessons that they learned from those failures. So on today's episode, uh, we have Bailey Parnell, She's the founder and CEO of Skills Camp, which is a soft skills training company that works with educational institutions and businesses with their staff and students, helping them to develop soft skills. Bailey is also an award winning digital marketer. She's a TEDx speaker. Uh, she's been featured in Forbes, CBC, Fox News, Flair Magazine, and more. And Bailey was also named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. Did I miss <laughs> anything?
1: No, I think I think that's pretty good. Thanks.
0: So when you hear that, do you do like do you have like a damn, did I do all that or did you like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: No, it definitely always sounds strange, I think, to hear your own bio because your bio is just the highlight reel. But as you know better than anyone, when you're actually going through the day to day, it way more often feels like, gosh, I haven't done anything relevance in ages. And mm-hmm. even like winning WXN, that was years ago. So when people say that, I almost like internally cringe a little bit because I'm like, but that wasn't last year. And yeah. that's, I guess, hard hard to explain when it's your own bio. Cause then when you hear someone else's, you're like, no, that's amazing. You should yeah. be proud of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I find like a lot of people feel that way, but um, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so as an entrepreneur, Uh, digital marker and speaker. What has been your biggest failure to date? Tell me about that moment and why do you believe it was your biggest failure?
1: I don't know if it was necessarily a moment for me. I mean, I can think of, uh, I mean, I can't really think of like standout, wow, this is going to make someone's book someday failures, but I think Mm -hmm. it was more and I honestly think this is more common for people, a collection of small moments over time that maybe lead you to a decision or a lack of a decision where you're mm. thinking, should I have done that differently? It's very rarely that big, giant, this could be a movie moment. Mm. And um I think for me, looking back, and I still feel it a little bit up until actually my word for this year was to level up. That was my word. And okay. basically I guess okay. it's two words, but what I meant by that was actually to start seeing yourself as that bio and to start or to stop doubting the fact that you, you are, you've done it. Like you, you are making money as an entrepreneur, you are feeding people and you're doing the thing that you set out to do. Because I would say that maybe you could see it as a failure or just life, but I don't think that I saw my worth or my effectiveness early enough. And that actually prevented me from taking the leap to becoming an entrepreneur and we could probably have an entire podcast conversation about what has conditioned people like us to not see themselves that way. Mm. But I didn't. And I didn't have any entrepreneurs around me growing up. In fact, we were quite poor. My parents didn't even graduate high school. So just going to university was like, Whoa. And so thinking beyond that, I just thought, you know, I just want to be able to travel. I want to, um, I did have leadership tendencies, but then when it came to starting a business, I think I really only saw the risk and I really only saw, you know, if you fail and Mm -hmm. no one is interested in soft skills, no one's going to catch you and no one's going to pay your bills. And so I actually built skills camp on the side for about two to two and a half years while still working at Ryerson university. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe if I had actually felt more confident uh, in myself, um, i would have taken that leap sooner and realized like you you've made all this other stuff happen you've made the rest of this bio happen Wh- what data do you have to suggest to yourself that you wouldn't be able to do this mm. and when i look back i also think it's so so strange because at risk of sounding you know n- non humble i've i never really had an issue with confidence i'd say i have a very healthy dose of it and um, mm-hmm. and so, not arrogance, but I've just always felt self secure is actually the, probably a better word. I felt very secure in you know who I am and and what I can do. And so I look back and I'm like, I almost confidently thought you don't have the skills right. to do this. And so maybe it's because I didn't come from a business background, maybe because there was not people in my world in that space. But I would say that if I could go back, I'd probably say you know just believe in yourself a little bit sooner, and and you'll make it
0: happen. Right, and so. On that note, I had a conversation with somebody else, and he was saying that people should stick to what they're intuitively good at. And sometimes we hear the story where, you know, that you just said, I had no experience. Um, What are your kind of thoughts when you hear that people should stick to, like, what they know or what they have some experience at? What what are your kind of thoughts on that?
1: I'm intuitively adverse to the statement (laughs) because... (laughs) Because I think that uh, I have a certainly a learning mindset, a growth Mm -hmm. mindset. And Mm -hmm. I won't assume that what they were saying was to limit yourself, but I think it could be interpreted that way. So I would Mm -hmm. just want to add that caveat that maybe they were trying to say, follow your intuition. And if you can align your skills with your intuition, then I think that you'll be lethal in the best ways. But I also think Geez, you know how many things that I that were not in my skill set that I had to learn <laughs> to be an entrepreneur. You know, mm. even just like basic accounting and legal <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah. That uh, yes, you absolutely can learn it, and I can show you a, a ton of people who who have learned what they needed to learn.
0: <laughs> right, right, absolutely. No, I I agree with your thought point, but uh, I just want to bring that up because it just came straight to my mind. <laughs> um, so is there a specific? You said there wasn't a specific moment, but. I also read that you've been doing some work in social media. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. talk about that because I think that's a big one. It's a hot topic. It's been a hot topic for more than a few years now. So um, when we talk about social media, what has been the impact on someone's mental health? So like, what are those effects that you've been seeing so far doing some of the work that you're doing now? Mm-hmm.
1: I So I used to work in digital marketing, and uh, I've done that for a ton of types of companies so i've done that for more private sector media like bell media and um or or much music mtve and i also did it on the nonprofit or university side of things with ryerson university and uh, i definitely liked that more because really social media is just a storytelling tool and you can use it to tell all kinds of stories and i had to ask myself the question what kinds of stories do you want to tell? And then once I started working more, uh, this was years ago now, though, at, at least at least six years ago, seven maybe, when we were, we in higher ed were still trying to figure out a little how could we use these tools to, uh, you know, to better our students' education, essentially. You know, the private business has figured it out. <laughs> they've, they've learned how to use social marketing to sell their products and services, but how can we use it? To better connect students to their education and to improve the experience here and so the early part of my career was actually building models for digital student engagement um, mm-hmm. here's how hey world anyone working in higher ed here's how we think we can use these tools and so then i had this realization somewhere in there again over years it's not i've not just ever you know had a dream and woke up and it was clear to me it was just observing life around me. And I think pretty intentionally and mindfully making meaning of what I've been observing. And one of the things I observed was that, clearly there's something off here. About five years ago now, probably about 2015, I started digital well-being research. Mm-hmm. I seem to be having an okay time on social media, but why are so many people and especially our students not having a good time here? Mm-hmm. And then news articles were coming out, um, some of the first ones about research and Facebook might cause depression and all this stuff. Right. And so I felt that if I was going to be the person in a school essentially saying, hey, young people come be on social media with me, then I had to make sure that they could do it safely. And that that was what uh, certainly kicked off this research in this area. Even though I had a good relationship with social media in terms of the more um, self-confidence side of things and comparison side, I definitely noticed addictive behavior in my social media use that I wasn't mindful of. And that was also kind of a realization of, holy, like this thing is controlling me. I'm not controlling it. And so what's going on here. And so all that is kind of setting up to your question of, of, what is the concern here? Well, five years later, it might be more obvious to anyone on social media that it is a risky behavior Mm -hmm. in that in psychology, we simply judge a risky behavior as something where when you participate, you expose yourself to potential harm. And we know Mm -hmm. for sure now that you expose yourself to potential harm when you use social media, whether that is Uh, an increase in anxiety, stress, traumatic imagery, therefore PTSD, depression, addiction, Mm -hmm. harassment. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so if you expose yourself to potential harm, then it's a risky behavior. And it should really be treated as such, kind of like sex or drugs or alcohol, as opposed to being thought of like the TV.
0: Interesting. Treating social media like a drug. I think that's the first time I've heard it phrased like that. So would you say from the research and all the work that you've done, do you feel a lot of it or maybe a part of it is largely about how we interpret what we see on social media? Like what would you?
1: Yes. You know what? You've asked the golden question, Corey, because when I first went into my research, I actually thought that I would find a more explicit correlation between time on social media and rising levels of anxiety and depression. As in, I thought it would clearly say The more time you spend the more anxious you're going to be but what i actually found was that there was no consistency in the research and some people out there said you know what we found in our study was that yes it did cause an issue but then these people said actually we can't really talk about this with authority because there's no statistical relevance here and then there's a whole section of my thesis that wasn't making the news and that was hey social media actually helped the mental health of our participants Mm. And so when you put it all together, and this was even before I did my own my own studies. Mm-hmm. Um, what was clear was that when there was a mediating variable or essentially something in the middle, where in that time I compare myself more or I feel envy more or XYZ, I, I um, experience my failures more, um, then it was always a bad situation. And it almost sounded exactly like this. So, this is almost a direct quote. Actually, I think it is a direct quote from one of my participants. And she said, You know, if if i went to the gym that day and i feel good then i go on instagram and i see instagram models and i think hashtag goals but if i didn't and i feel dusty then i go on there and i think i hate my life and so that was really important i mean i know i'm talking about my own research but it's actually a really important piece for us as people because not only do two different people interpret what they see differently, that's not a surprise, but the same person you or I could view the same post in two different hours. And it could mean totally different things for us based on how we're feeling about ourselves at the time.
0: Wow. I think what you said there is, is obviously like, yes, you hit it right on the nail there. And, you know, I was just thinking about my own, my own social media behavior. And there was a period in my life, not too far ago, actually, where I didn't scroll for a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. I only looked at my own account, posted, checked my messages and got off. And I Mm -hmm. did that to kind of protect my mind because I was in a certain space where anything could kind of trigger me. And so I just Mm -hmm. want to limit that kind of response. But I definitely hear you when you're saying that. Um, So here's another big golden question for you, Mm -hmm. right, or a million dollar question, I should say. What is the solution or do you have any recommendations for that person who's being negatively impacted uh, by social media?
1: You know what? It's funny because you've asked a couple of questions that were the solution, even though they might seem worlds apart. You know, how do you deal with failure and also how do you deal with social media? But Mm -hmm. I think that the answer is actually the same thing, (laughs) because. I have a what's what's now uh, my five steps towards safe social which anybody listening or watching can see at safesocialmedia.co which is my organization where we teach about this stuff Mm -hmm. and step one is to of course first understand to build awareness and understanding to watch my ted talk because that's exactly the purpose of the talk Mm -hmm. to teach you some language even though that was 2017 four years ago Mm -hmm. um, to learn what's going on here so that you can better describe your own experiences Uh, Same thing with other risky behaviors. As you know, you teach people about alcohol use so that they can better interact with this risky behavior. But step two is then moderating your consumption based on what you know. But step three is building the offline soft skills like resilience, like optimism, like mindfulness, so that you don't find yourself an hour later not remembering what you did. Mm. And so that you don't find yourself, you know, even five posts later, it's certainly having a subconscious impact on you. But have you ever explored what that is? So I would say, um, start there first by understanding but Mm -hmm. then i think if we go a little bit further into the soft skills i I would love to talk more about optimism as as a key and i think whether it's failure or social media i think i've found because of the skills camp part of my life and the soft skills training part of my life that people are kind of colloquially misdefining optimism and they're not if they Mm -hmm. really understood it i think they could actually make this this skill work for them in retraining their mind
0: wow well said. Um, so here's a question I thought of when I wrote this. I was I was really reaching, but I felt like I should ask it anyway. So um, bear with me. As an expert in soft skills, what is the one soft skill you believe everyone must have? What is that must have soft skill? Is there if there is one?
1: Okay, you're. I don't think it's a reach at all. I'll give you. I'll give you two, but I'll give you the one that I think would maybe most help with, with failure. Cause I know that's a, it's a big focus for you to help people handle mm-hmm. their failures. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I just mentioned it, which was optimism. So even though when people say optimism is like, they, they sometimes say it's just being a positive or negative person right. and they might see someone being what they would call negative And they say, oh, you're so pessimistic. But the thing with an optimistic mindset or a pessimistic mindset is that it also is how you describe how you view life's situations and stressors in relationship to yourself. And so we subscribe to, and I'm a big fan of Dr. Diana Breacher's five factor model of resilience. And I know that many people will give the answer that resilience is the answer to failure. But if you break down resilience, optimism is one of those five key ingredients. Mm -hmm. So let's say, um, and I guess like the, the important piece of the optimism is that optimists in good situations view life's events the same way that pessimists view bad situations they see it as personal as a result of them pervasive this is going to spread to other areas of my life and permanent Mm -hmm. this is going to last a long time but an optimist in bad times actually views life quite similarly to a pessimist in good times which is that this is just good or bad luck this wasn't as a result of me there's something else that i had no control over that this is temporary that this is not going to last and that this is situation specific that this is not going to spread to other areas of my life so let's say that a failure happens Mm -hmm. what a pessimist is going to do is they're going to own and see their failures 1 million times more than they will ever own or see, even see a win. Mm. And we might call these people negative, but it's actually probably more hurting their own, their own mental health and their own view of themselves than anything. Right. And that's like, you know, let's say failure happens. Like, gosh, there's this one time I had one of the bigger clients that skills camp ever had and, and, they were an American client, and I was just naive about working in America at the time. I was mm. rejected at the border completely, wow. had to cancel the workshop the, the next two days. It never happened again. Had to return the money. It was so embarrassing, And um, but let's say that failure happens. I'm laughing about it now, but when I left the airport, I was crying. I <laughs> so. can
0: imagine. I can imagine.
1: And then the next couple of times I crossed the border, like it was an honest mistake. And and they they saw that fortunately, because it could have gone very differently. But point is though, that that failure happens. A pessimist is going to say, oh my God, I suck. I'm the worst. How could I do this? They're not, they're going to say, this is, uh, you know, going to spread to every area of my life, pervasive. Mm -hmm. I knew this was gonna happen. Why does this always happen to me? Now I'm gonna have to deal with these other clients and I just can't do it right now. And that this is permanent, that this Mm -hmm. is going to last, that now I can't take American clients or now I'm gonna be anxious every time. Whereas the optimist sees that failure. And and I have to say, I do, I am a a natural natured and nurtured optimist perhaps, Mm -hmm. but uh, they'll say, you know what? What can you do? And this is how I actually did view it. A, a day later, I was like, mm-hmm. "You know what? What it happened. Like all you can control is what happens from here. You know, there's things that were outside of my control. I had had a track record of of uh, speaking in the states, but right. I didn't realize why it had worked before. And the reason why it had worked before before is because I was going to higher ed institutions as a as a scholar speaking." And so I just thought I was kind of doing the same thing, but it happened to be a company this time. So, you know, as an optimist, you say, okay, bad luck. All right. How do I keep this situation specific? You know, I hired a lawyer. I want to know why this happened, why it hasn't happened before and what I need to do from here. I want to keep this like situation specific and temporary conversations with yourself about, you know, how does this not last? Let me return the money to the client. I want this to be, you know, dealt with not something weighing on me.
0: Right, right. No, I think you hit a, a couple of key points there. And one of the things that I've discovered recently as someone now in my mid 30s is the art of letting go. Um, and I think and I also realized that letting go is an, is an actual skill in itself, um, because I feel like so many so many times we try to uh, hold on to certain situations and then we internalize them. As you were saying, the pessimist is saying it's all me. It's my fault. And then you have to take a step back and say, you know mm-hmm. what, uh, I should only focus on what I can control and let go of everything else. Mm-hmm. And then there's something that I heard. I don't know if you'll agree with this, but um, I heard some uh, a business professional say many years ago: um, learn to be unattached from the result. It's not. It doesn't mean necessarily that you don't care about getting a great result. Mm-hmm. But again, if something doesn't work out, you're not, you know, internalizing. Beating mm. yourself up, you're just saying, "I did what I needed to do, and I put mm-hmm. all the work I could, and whatever happens happens," as you just said.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't overanalyze the failures, but I also don't overanalyze the wins. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't revel in them as a, as I do have small celebrations. I'm a big or fan small of, of 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 yeah. people recognizing their wins as just mm. a mental health strategy but I don't settle on them for too long. And uh, I think that that's what keeps people ambitious. The other important skill that I should definitely mention though is self awareness, because that's kind of, you know, if you're mindful, you're going to be in the present thinking about what I, you know, I said to you, like I, I think mindfully about what I'm observing and the patterns that I'm observing in people and in life. And, uh, and when I go make meaning of those, that's usually where I come out of a. with with a talk or an educational program or a book or um, this kind of intellectual property, the world of my life. Mm -hmm. And I I think that anyone can do that though. It just takes some time. And I had a friend, I don't know. I can't remember if it was a friend or a student and they had shared a story about what their therapist had said to them. They said, I might get this wrong, but they, I think they Mm -hmm. said, um, when, that they're depressed. When they're depressed, you're focused on the past. When you're anxious, you're stressed about the future. Mm. And if you can just focus on the present uh, for as much as you can, then you won't be living in the past or future. And I think I remember because they called it a time traveler. They said to their patient, you're a time traveler. You're either living in the past or you're stressed about the future.
0: Mm. I like that.
1: yeah, so I, I think a lot about that. I'm certainly, I would say, I'm a, a mindful person, um, right. and I do try. I, I kind of keep up that practice, if you will, because you know it right. is a practice that you sometimes might fail at. <laughs>
0: okay, got it. So, self awareness and optimism; those are the two most important soft skills. Okay. Uh, for failure anyways. I'd say for
1: failure, yeah. for failure,
0: yeah. Awesome. Okay, so let's get down to the last question here. It's actually a two-part question, as many of my questions were really. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the best lesson you believe that you've learned from failing thus far? Hmm.
1: Um, I, I think, gosh, I have so many, but I think one that's sticking out to me right now is that based on our conversation on optimism, is that you usually see your failures more than any, and they stick out to anyone else. Wow. And if you are experiencing other mental health concerns, like anxiety or depression or something like that, then know that that sensation will be intensified for you. Mm-hmm. That, that those usually want to work with that pessimism. They want to have that mindset. Um, some might say that it comes from earlier in our evolution, that pessimism is a way to... To protect you from right.
0: danger, not so.
1: doing things again. Right, but there were many, many instances of where we've risen above our biology, or we would still be sleeping outside. So, the unique Absolutely. thing, and this should be um, this should be hopefully motivating to people, is that the thing we think is uniquely capable, or, or that the human brain is uniquely capable of, is understanding that we can have a thought, and actually being able to change that thought process is. Mm-hmm something we think is uniquely human. And that means also that you can, if you are human here Mm -hmm. listening to this, you, you actually can change your mindset. Um, and you know, I call it brain training at skills camp Mm -hmm. and, um, even on the biological level, whether it's something like stress and making your amygdala freak out, the more you, make meaning of stressful situations mm-hmm. the less likely your amygdala is actually going to release cortisol in the future because as a pattern it started to realize oh we actually can handle this situation right, right. right. so I find every time I look um look even deeper into brain psychology through for the skills camp side of my life I always think to myself everybody needs to take. This course, this should just be a mandatory life course mm-hmm. in high school, which is how your brain works and how it actually affects things that you might not even think about, like psoriasis and weight and mental health and everything.
0: Yeah. And I think you you hit a lot of key points there. And it just reminds me of a conversation I actually had with a personal trainer about maybe a couple of years now. He had two clients about the same weight class. They had relatively the same goals, weight loss goals anyways the he implemented the same program for the both of them with one it worked exceptionally well with the other it didn't work so well so they started breaking down the diet or you eating long story short found out that person b who wasn't getting the results was lacking in sleep then mm. they did a little then they digged a little bit deeper why isn't she getting as much sleep turns out that she's allergic to cats and she has two cats at home and that was contributing to the fact that why she wasn't losing the weight that she desired to lose. So I think, you know, to your to your point, like, you know, if we can really be kind of self-aware and kind of reflect on these little things and realize, oh, yes, I can actually change something. But without that self-awareness factor, then it's, it's easy to, to just kind of attribute to you and say, oh, it's my fault. There's something wrong with me, this and that.
1: Well I certainly I think that's almost the easy way out, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes if if the, if that's what your mindset is, mm-hmm. if it's natural to just go there without critical thought about yourself, then that that is the easy way because it's what's natural. But but uh self-awareness is is taking t- takes some time and I think that you know, adults, working adults particularly if you have mm-hmm uh, then you're often worried about their self actualization right. that I work with a ton of adults. And I think, and I'm just asking them about like, what's important to you? What are your values? What motivates you? And they, they literally say, you know, I've never right. been asked this. I've never thought about this right. since like, since school usually. And that's actually my favorite. That's why I am a, a big proponent of school. Mm-hmm. Um, Or just the right education. I have lots of qualms with traditional education and all that could be improved. But what I like about it is that if it's done right, you're actually teaching. You're not teaching people what to think. That's the misconception. You're teaching them how to think. think. How to to form ideas. How to observe. How to take meaning from things. How to extrapolate themes. Mm -hmm. How to then apply that to yourself. And then how to make judgments based on that. And that's what school is like. Again, you know, education done right (laughs) is Mm -hmm. like brain training for that. It's like going to the gym
0: again and again
1: about something you might not even care about in the moment, but you're training that part of the sort of judgment creation.
0: And I think a key word as well that's missing in all that you're saying is I think of the word discipline. So to be self-aware, it takes discipline. Like for me, I'll tell you like a fun fact about me. When I was in school, I used to hate reading. Mm-hmm. Until somebody gave me the book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And that got that wet my appetite for reading. And then I started reading a book a month since then. But until that moment in time, the only thing I read was required reading, whatever I needed to, to read to pass the class. And yeah. so I've developed the discipline over the years. And I still use the same format today, I read 10 pages a day. That's what worked for me, but um, you know, uh, starting off with some form of discipline, I think, is 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 very key. Because to me, I something I read recently too, it said, you know, everyone wants to be free, but you know, the way to get to freedom, however you define that, is through discipline. Um, so
1: I would buy into that. I, I would like to think about it a little bit more, but I I would buy into that on the surface that because. I started just ending you know almost all of my skills camps What, regardless of the skill with you know i might only have an hour to talk to people and i'll say i can only teach you so much about stress in an hour the right. honest truth is it's going to take your discipline if you want to feel less stress you right. actually need to do the things that we are talking about today
0: right absolutely and,
1: and that's and i think you you're on to something there about just how important discipline is and i'd say that for people listening, I mean, you know, when you say you're going to do something, do you do it, right? Is that, is right. that what you think by discipline?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the last thing I, I want you to leave people with is, I mean, I think you've, you've given so many gems and, and nuggets so far, um, but I really want to milk this conversation for as much as I can. Please do. Uh, yeah. What is your one piece of advice to the millions of people? experiencing failure right now?
1: I'd say, listen to your podcast and understand (laughs) what optimism is. Um, You can, I'd say cultivate optimism Mm -hmm. by, if you're experiencing failure in this moment, answer these three questions for yourself. What played a role that was outside of your control that you can do nothing about? That's the first question. Mm -hmm. The second question is, how can you keep this situation specific? How do you prevent this failure from spilling over into other areas of your life, whether that's a failure at work and how do you prevent that from affecting your relationship or your family? How can you keep it in one bucket? Mm -hmm. And then the third question to answer is, how can you keep this temporary? As in, what are the things that you are going to put in place now so that this kind of failure doesn't happen again or doesn't hit you as hard the next time?
0: Mm. That's awesome. I love the three points. They're amazing three
1: questions, three solutions. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so There you
0: go. Even though we did four questions today, but anyways, <laughs> it's all good. So Bailey, um, I know you're well out there in the media, but where can people find you if they want to reach you or if they want to inquire about any of your workshops or classes? How do people find you?
1: Well, okay. So I can, I can plug a little now. Well, we actually just um, launched skills camps, online soft skills portal. So you can take Online courses with us for the first time ever, and that's online.skillscamp.co. Stress management is actually in there, and optimism is a key feature in there. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm at Bailey Parnell on everything, which is hopefully the good side of social media. And um, and then at safe social media.co is more about that's that side of my life.
0: Awesome. Well, Bailey, thank you so much for blessing you, blessing us, excuse me, (laughs) with your gems, your nuggets. And your presence and guys as i always like to end the show with you know if you want to impress people talk about your accomplishments the things you've had the things that you've done but if you really want to have an impact on people's life talk about your failures the things that didn't go so well the things that you really learned from so with that being said peace and love to next time we're out